0: Hello and welcome to L&D Done Right, presented to you by CD2 Learning, a Nelnet company. On this podcast, we talk with some of the brightest minds in learning and development around the world to learn from their experiences and what worked, what didn't, how can we impact the lives of the people on our teams internally at our companies, the partners that help our organization grow, or even the end clients and communities we serve. Hello, and welcome to LD and Done Right, presented to you by CD2 Learning and NellNet Company. I am your host, Gil Williams. I'm super excited for the conversation today. I'm sitting beside me. I got Sarah Grishup with the American Association of Critical Care Nurses. So truthfully, I could not be sitting next to someone who uh, does better work for better people. So I'm super excited for the conversation today. Sarah, why don't you say hello to everyone?
1: Hi, so thankful to be here today. I'm really excited to talk to you about learning done right and uh, how this intersects with nursing.
0: Absolutely, you know, Sarah. We've had a couple of opportunities to get to know each other. I'm looking forward to more. But I'm going to tell everyone. I'm going to throw you. I'm going to throw you out there a little bit here. Okay. <laughs> that you you're going to wipe the floor with me from experience on these things. You've done way bigger and way better than I ever could on on public speaking. I'm talking about a specific engagement. Do you know what I'm talking about? you want to tell everyone a little bit about what, what, what I'm mentioning?
1: Yeah, you know, I um, honestly never thought I was going to be a public speaker. I, and uh, don't hold this against me, but I almost failed speech and never finished my nursing degree. Because I can put an ID in you from a mile away, but to get up and speak in front of others, I used to shake, cry. I mean, it was embarrassing. And then I'm a nurse and I'm in front of people all day long and fast forward 15 years and I'm on stage speaking to 5,000 nurses with Abby Wambach, and talking about leadership, sounding like a valley girl and loving every minute. And one of the things that Abby said when she came off the stage, she was like, I forgot they were out there. And I was like, I didn't. I saw every single pair of eyes. Like, who forgets they're there?
0: Yeah, what are you talking about? Heck no. I I mean, I remember the first time I even did one of these recordings. There's nothing worse than when you can feel the voice start to bounce. You're like, "Uh uh uh-oh, (laughs) uh-oh. But... What I've found similar to what you just did, we we talked about it a little bit before of just being able to laugh at ourselves when we go back and listen, but when you can just laugh at yourself in the moment, there's nothing better than being able to like actually feel confident talking, but also just sharing what I realized is all I'm doing is sharing my passion. I'm just talking to cool people, Absolutely. right?
1: Absolutely. And honestly, that's what learning and development is because anytime I get up in front of a group and I'm talking to them, my passion wins through every time. And I totally forget that I'm even the one that's up there that they're listening to. I just get super excited to talk to them and and share my love of nursing, share my love of learning. And it really just kind of streams out of me kind of like right now.
0: (laughs) Well, good. That's what we're here to talk about today. At least you're not like me where when I start to, I call it nerding out about L&D and all this stuff. Um, but my ADD starts to kick in and next thing, you know, I'm like thinking of all these different things or in my brain, I'm connecting a lot of dots, but I, I, you know, my wife always says when I, I, you're talking to me and my mouth gradually gets more and more wide open, it means I have no clue where you're going and that's a stop recenter, and let's start over.
1: I get it. I am pretty type A, so I feel like I have ADB in some ways, in some spaces, but uh, my husband usually glazes over when I'm talking about the uh, gore as a trauma burn ICU nurse stories that I would come home with um, pretty much yeah. on the day. So I feel like our, our spouses probably have a lot in common. <laughs>
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. And she loves laughing at me on these these shows as well, <laughs> Sarah. So, so let's give her some things to laugh about at me for, I'm sure, throughout this. But why don't you kick us off with just telling us a little bit about you, your history, and how you got to where you're at. But then if you wouldn't mind, tell us a little bit about AACN as well okay. and the work you do with them.
1: Awesome. Yeah. So like I said, my name's Sarah. I am a ICU nurse at heart. Um, I don't think that you can ever take that away from me. I spent uh, 15 years working for a large tertiary academic hospital. I was in our trauma burn ICU. I saw really, really incredible things. um, Really, really, really incredibly sad things. So I um, was always a natural leader and person that a lot of people gravitated to in the acu and so while I was working bedside I often was a preceptor and a charge nurse and and that actually then led into uh, my assistant chief nursing officer tapping me on the shoulder and um, really convincing me to get into in, uh, to insurance to education <laughs> <laughs> the education and I just really kind of always led with, I'm the nurse who supports the nurse that supports the patient. And so education really just kind of became a seamless transition. And um, and so I was teaching a ton at my hospital and started volunteering with AUCN who is our um, parent kind of nursing organization. It's the largest nursing organization in the country. We serve around 130,000 nurses who are in that critical and acute care space. And so I started volunteering with them uh, first at local chapters. Hmm. Um, really didn't know what I was getting into with that. My manager kind of drugged me there by the ear and was like, you're going to do this. And I was like, cool, cool. Uh, can I bring my baby? And, you know, showed up <laughs> at a meeting. And then that turned into taking a regional role where I oversaw 17 chapters as a chapter oh. advisor. Um, and then I really started getting involved with the national office as a volunteer. And I was an ICU nurse through COVID I worked the front lines with my nurses at I
0: saw that little guy back there that was too cute he's
1: amazing
0: do you see just the inching along that was too good
1: yeah I was like don't don't bother me I'm gonna be live. don't interrupt me um but so we're all we're, human
0: that's what makes us great right exactly
1: and we all work from home at some point you know especially like i said i was working covid frontline supporting nurses um their educator coming up with on the fly um learning and development to kind of you know fly through um the things that were changing minute by minute and so i was heading into 2021 and had some uh big family things kind of going on, um, some tragic losses, as I think we can all associate and uh, understand. And I was actually tapped on the shoulder to come to ACN as one of their clinical practice specialists. And really, that's just a fancy way for saying that I create the education, standard-setting documents, give insight to certification, and a variety of other things. And now I'm actually the manager of that team. I lead the team that creates pretty much all of that work. And I never thought I would leave the bedside. I never thought I'd leave the hospital setting. and but yet, I feel so incredibly lucky every day to know that I'm touching thousands of nurses and making their practice better. and where I went from being the nurse that supported the nurse, who supports the patient in a one hospital setting. I am now touching nurses um, all across the nation and really around the globe with the work that we are doing through ACN. It's really kind of overwhelming, but also incredible when I sit down and think about it.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, we had that first, we said that together almost when we first met, right? Is yeah. what I tell my team here every day is we're not here to provide a software, right? We're not here to just kind of like hand the keys over to our clients at CD2 Learning, right? We're, you know, we have an LMS, we've got a content management system and we do great work with custom content development, but that's not what we're here for. We're here to support the people that, support their communities, whether that's their teams or their communities like you and the nurses that come through your stuff. We're here to support them and help them, enable them to to elevate the experiences that they're providing, right? And so similar to you, there's nothing more fruitful and and rewarding than seeing how that can be an impact. And I love that that's the mindset that you took. And i I digging into, I'd love to dig in further how you kind of found your niche there? Because in my career, I never had anyone. Well, I did. And he's actually the founder of our organization was always the guy, Rich Bartlett, I'd call him, so many different weird odd hours i'm thinking of this what do you think i should do but that was it i didn't know how to learn i didn't know how to develop and especially in the workplace it's really hard to find a mentor and resources to be successful and feel confident that you're on the right trajectory right or you're doing the right things and so what you do with with your work now but also starting just at the hospital with your specific team and how that's grown, that's an amazing story, right? And it's just you know, I think that there's so many people that found that valuable to their lives too.
1: And I hope so, because you know, when it comes down to it, we're all just trying to put one foot in front of the other, getting through our day. And, you know, to be a nurse in this world right now is oh. like it was 15 years ago when I got my start. Mm-hmm. Um by the way, I was five when I started nursing. And uh, you know, it's just I look at my team and I know this sounds like cliche, but I really just try to see each human for who they are and what they bring to the table. I have some incredible rock stars who who are so happy to be front and center. And I have so many incredible rock stars who just want to be behind the curtain and they don't even want to show their face. Mm-hmm. And you know, it really takes learning who each one of them are to figure out how to how to develop each one of those. And when I was working at the bedside, I actually ran into that a lot too, because I was bringing on all of the nurses that were coming into critical care and especially my um, progressive care unit, which is like intermediate between ICU and med surge and in my ICU. And so I would meet all of these brand new nurses. And sometimes you had to have that conversation of, you know, you're just not getting it. You're a great nurse. You're just not a great nurse here. And sometimes you got them where you're like, oh, my gosh, can I make 15 more of you? Yeah. You know, because development comes in so many different ways. Um, It's the application of uh, creativity met with that scientific background and really seeing what makes each one of them come alive. What sets the, the spark off in their eyes. And you don't really do that the same way for anybody. So...
0: No, and to be honest, you know, we've had some really fun conversations here about how do you enable true individual personalized learning, right? True prescriptive learning, not, um, you know, buckets of path- potential pathways. And how do we build that and support that in all facets, whether it's, you know, med association to frontline workforce to, you know, corporate staff members in a sales role or whatever that may be. How do you truly understand that person? What do you have to do? What technology should you have to understand who, where they're at? Where are their gaps? Their specific gaps, right?
1: Yeah.
0: And how do we train on that? I think that there's too, too much going on right now of, bucketed pre-configured learning, even if they say they branch, right? but it's it's still buckets it and is, so. and it
1: still puts them into a box exactly. So
0: exactly. my
1: master's, I actually broke the mold, and my master's is in healthcare innovation. Oh Would wow, you break that down. It's human centered design. So I don't want to put people in boxes. I want to see their individualities shine. yeah. And so through ASCN, we're doing that through development of a new test. Um, It's not really a test. I really should call it a tool. A tool that is going to be administered when nurses start at the bedside. And it's called a knowledge assessment tool. They go in, they take this, they see where their strengths are. Because if you have strengths in you know, three out of the six areas that I need you to when you're coming into the hospital, then I don't need to spend time on those. That is wasted learning time for you. And, you know, so we developed this tool, we are going to be offering it uh, this fall, for us to really dive into that human centered design of, of individualized learning and And then we also created the roadmap for the education and clinical nurse specialists who will be working with those new grads then on how to continue with that education. And so whether it's through um, a learning uh, platform such as yourself, um, but you know, the courses can be loaded up. They can be um, administered for nurses to do um, around their orientation time because really nothing replaces that hands-on learning. But when you can supplement it with some didactic information to take with them that's yeah that's really kind of the sweet spot
0: yeah absolutely um where where that gets really interesting i'd love to understand are you guys looking at ways to tying in actual on-the-job like results like what's happening in the day-to-day and tying that into the analytics of how we're going to train those people as well as the assessment
1: so i I'm glad you asked that question because actually we are. Um, And so one of the passion projects that I've been working on since I started at UCN is called our competence, our initial competence framework. And that really brings in synergy. So Mm -hmm. looking at the eight different pillars of holistic self, so not just looking at a checklist and saying like, oh, you're competent in these areas, you can go save lives that's not always necessarily true. Like just because you've got great things on paper, it doesn't mean that you are understanding the P's and Q's and the Y's and everything that kind of goes into what it means to take care of a patient. And so we are looking at, um, you know, system thinking, we're looking at um, a variety of techniques that, that encompasses the entire nurse as a human so that we know Mm that they are seeing the whole picture. And then that way that we know that they're seeing the patient for the whole picture.
0: That's really interesting. And you you set a line there that is actually like kind of, you it makes you kind of take a step back and you're like, whoa, okay. Truthfully, are you ready to be in a position where you are tasked to save lives? Like that is what you do.
1: Yeah.
0: That's wild.
1: It is, you know? And, um, and maybe it's just because I've always been a nurse and I'm a nurse. like, at my true core, but you know, I see people get like riled up about things, you know, on deadlines, and and I'm like, gosh, like, but did anybody die today, or did anybody like, you know, like the idea, like my husband's, you know, come home and healthy, you know, like, oh, projects are delayed, and I'm like, okay, but nobody died today, or nobody got hurt today, and you know, I. I think because I take that concept and apply it to my learning and development with, with nurses and with really even my own children is that, you know, we we get another chance most most days. We get another chance. And when you're learning and going through development of self or education or your role you know we we typically get another chance we don't have to always get it right the first time and i think that's something that's really important when we are going through education because you know one of my most cherished professors um from college not my speech teacher mm-hmm. um, but an english teacher who would give your papers back with suggestions of how to make it better there was never really A grade given it was just like okay so you've mastered this so now like let's you know let's bring this layer in and um and so when i kind of go through life like that's kind of the same concept that i apply. it's like okay you've mastered this layer let's look at the next one
0: yeah well you've kind of um you hit you alluded to something there where that i would i kind of build a vision or not enough lnd people think of it this way at learning environments is that it's an actual place that not only are you going through consuming information, but what it truly should be is a safe fail environment. Yes. It should be a safe fail place where people can test and and try and and grow from those those failures, which I have failed so many times live and there's no worse feeling in the moment. But then when you reflect back on it, I'll never do a lot of those things ever again, right? So, but if you can imagine an environment or technology or strategy that can implement those or integrate that safe fail into the overall journey, I just I wonder about how impactful can that be towards the people but also for the organization that you're serving too, whether that's the corporate world or the hospital system that those nurses are working in.
1: Absolutely. I think everyone, whether you're in sales or education or nursing or engineering, insert literally anything there. We have to have a safe space to fail. Because as humans, to err is, you know, is human. It's what yeah. it, yeah. we do. And, you know, nurses are often held obviously as our physicians, physical therapists, respiratory therapy, you know, mm-hmm. anybody that you want to insert into the healthcare realm. We don't always get a fail-safe space. And no. We can go out of the hospital into a learning environment that is welcoming, that is kind, and gives us the opportunity to truly dig in and learn. You see people flourish. You mm-hmm. see confidence soar. I can remember walking into simulations in nursing school and much like my speeches, I would be shaking and scared to death because what if I mess up and no one told me, Hey, it's okay. This is a safe learning environment.
0: That's the point is to mess up and try and try again.
1: Yes. And it has taken me far too many years to learn that lesson. And I think that's really if, you know, and that's really what I loved about CD two when we were talking last week because of, I just felt so on the same plane as you and Lauren when we were chatting.
0: Yeah, Lauren's awesome by the way, isn't she? She, she is, great.
1: she's lovely, yeah. shout right. out to Lauren.
0: That's right, that's right. Um, so you alluded to something earlier that I'd love for you to dig in deeper if you're if that's okay. Yeah. The okay. power of hybrid learning, right? I totally agree with you. You cannot replace hands-on experience or human to human interaction so i'd love you to dig into the power that tying in you know documentation content other external contents or asynchronous content to those experiences that are in person human to human and then maybe even tying in a fail a safe fail sort of experience into that overall journey how do you like why is that powerful or you know what is the science behind that right you're you're the expert i'd love you to dig into why you think that's personally important that people start to adopt?
1: You know, hybrid learning, I think, has kind of, just like hybrid work right now, I think it kind of has a bad rap. And, you know, there's there's people that are like, oh, with hybrid learning, you know, they're they're just, you know, rushing through it and they're not going to really retain anything. But really, when you kind of dig into the data and you look at that scientific background, you see that hybrid actually is in... Incredibly supportive. So, when you have documentation that someone could go off and practice doing, then when they are in the moment, it becomes almost secondary to them. They don't have to think about what they're doing. And so, when you are applying that, you know, I teach virtually on occasion, and when Mm-hmm. I need to be looking over your shoulder to understand that you're getting it. And when I see the papers that you're turning into me or the um, information that's kind of being brought back to me, then I know that, you know, I can send you examples and you're going to study it and you're going to look at it and you're going to then apply that to your real life. And a lot of that comes with uh, the work that I do, whether it's in the ECMO realm or uh, CRRT, and when it's, you know, super hands-on work that has to be done, but you can't provide always that education super hands-on. And so it's trusting those in the team that's around you that you're providing the best that you can. Um, A fail-safe for me was, you know, once I, um, and I'll never forget, and I'll never forget to draw this ever again in my life if I go back to the bedside, I had a patient who was going through respiratory distress and you know um I I grabbed the labs, I grabbed, you know, I was I was monitoring um kind of everything that was going on. And um, but I I forgot to get a blood gas at 6 a.m. And I had gotten mine at midnight, you know, and we were doing like these serial um blood gases, and and the nurse comes in and just screams at me and she's like, Well, how could you forget to get the blood, you know, the blood gas? And I was just like, Well, it's like 650. Too, like I, I'm not that late. Like I can still get it. Like I'm still within the hour. I'm still okay, you know. But but they scared me so incredibly much that then I second guessed myself with that patient all and and I went home to bed. So all day long I'm sleeping, waking up and thinking about this patient. Exactly. And you know, when you're hybrid, um you can't instill that you you want inst- to I'm not saying you can't instill, but you want to instill. That you trust one another, mm-hmm. and you want to instill that you know this might be the biggest thing that they're facing, the biggest challenge they are facing today as a learner. And do you really want them scared of you? And and and
0: especially honestly, in your environment, what they're right.
1: doing, because that's not how I want anybody to learn, you know, and um i want to you know focus on the possibilities of what's to come and, and really what they can even teach me in the situation for all of us to improve and do better
0: i mean especially in your environment where someone's health is in the hands of that that professional right and i say the same thing in all of our conversations as we're going do you want your team to feel like they operate with questions every day or do you want them to feel confident that they can go out and represent you and what they do really well and do it in an effective manner like that is what we're talking about here is giving them the confidence the happiness and the courage to go out and execute and give put that's the strategies and the technology that we're putting out there how do we do that from onboarding day one to job skill trainings to their hey you're you're a great potential leader. Let's get you the resources you need to continue to develop as a leader and put those those pathways really seamlessly. And it's human nature to want to feel like you're doing good things and like you're doing a good job. And so if you can create that and build strategies around that, but also take that mindset as a leader and an instructor, like that is what we're here to do is to enable.
1: It is. And that's one of the things I really love about ACN is that we're built on the foundation of authentic leadership of equal recognition, um, of, you know, executive decision-making. And we really try to empower not only those of us at ACM, but that's the things, those are the competencies then that we turn around and empower into those around us. Yeah. Uh, Not just nurses, you know, I work with a, for a wide variety at the national office. It's from marketing to sales, to, um, B2B to, Uh, communications you know and, and those are still principles that each and every one of us live by oh yeah it's important because you know words of affirmation are important whether you're at home or at work you need others to know that they're doing what they need to be doing and that you value what they bring to the table
0: but those can be direct words of affirmation. They can be through results of what they're doing and the fun they're having and in, in their stress, like in their learning progress, like that's all a part of it, right?
1: Yeah, it is. And I've been, you know, I've been accused of being maybe too sunny, too cheerleading. Um, But, you know, that is really something that always resonated with those that I was um, engaging with, because I want to be their cheerleader. I want to be the one that's, you know, um, celebrating them because then, when I really, then when I do sit down to talk to them about areas of improvement, yeah, then they're not afraid to hear what I have to say because they know that I believe in them. I also just see where the potential could go.
0: Well, I saw something recently that essentially the study that was said was they had these groups of kids and they silo segmented them out. And, you know, based on the results, one group, they said, Hey, you're so smart versus the other. They said, Hey, you great work. You're working so hard, like great, uh, like you're doing a great job. Right. Well, that it was in the results when they reassessed the the same kids as the ones you said, Hey, you're so smart. Felt like they had accomplished it. Right. But the words of affirmation to the others was like hey you're working so hard like way to way to work hard they felt confident to go try again and and to excel at the next challenge and the next and the next that's
1: same one weirdly enough um because i was like gosh you know we really do need to focus on rewarding effort because if you think that you've already you know you hear you're so smart well then yeah why would you try any harder because you're smart you got those yeah yeah and then we do stop, and like so, where does that intrinsic motivation come from?
0: Where I where I laugh about it, and I t- I said the same thing. I've got a, I've got a grumpy uncle that I told the same thing to, and he he just goes, "That's all. Oh, that's that light blue ribbon participation stuff." I'm like, "No, it's not rewarding someone and telling them they're great. Like that's where that falls into.
1: Right.
0: You're telling them you're praising them for their effort and." which gives them the confidence to keep trying and keep trying again. And so it's not providing reward. No, it's providing affirmation.
1: You know, I coach a first grade soccer team and they, you see it with them. If I am like, Oh, great, you know, great shot, great kick and um, you know, or way to stay after the ball, you know, when, you know, and those, but if I'm like, Oh yeah, like you're the best kicker on the team, then, you yeah. know, I have one that would literally just kick it from goal to goal every day, versus you know, <laughs> trying to go after the ball and doing what is needed to do. But exactly, it's um, I see nothing wrong with um, making sure that we praise effort in all of us, and not just children, but in in all of us.
0: I think that there's something to that, and when you praise effort and you position that with um advice or uh, opportunity for them to develop like they're more open-minded too. it's like oh i'm doing a good job i'm also going to try these things too it'll make me better yeah right.
1: that's the kids that become coachable and exactly. that's the adults that become coachable and you know and then those are the ones that become lifelong learners because if you're a dork like me like you just don't ever stop
0: Yeah, I still need to learn. I've got a lot. I've got a lot out there. I got to catch up for a lifetime or a childhood of not focusing. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm an adult learner. Um, I'd love if it's okay. I'd like to pivot a little bit, and you know, your association does a fantastic. It does fantastic work. I'd love for you to talk about the power of. You know, providing as an association providing opportunities for continued learning to support your members, right? What, how, like, what is the power of providing that, and the opportunity that they should really consider as an association from continued learning opportunities, whether it be that to CME credits, um, and things of those natures, if that, if that's something you'd be willing to share.
1: Absolutely, you know, that's really kind of who AECN is is that we really kind of started, we started as the American Association of Cardiovascular Nurses and then um, pivoted into all of critical care. And um, every year we have a a new theme as our board president um, assumes the role in July. And so every year we we are constantly looking at that because our nurses come to us for really three main buckets. They come to us for their certification to say, yes, I have what it takes to be a leader in Excel in my um, in my field. So they come for their CCRN, their PCCN, and a plethora of other certifications that we offer, but those are really our two big ones. They, um, they come to us as really the gold standard for standard-setting documents, for the education that they are providing to themselves, knowing that it has gone through a rigorous um, level of evidence, you know, details and in creation, we are constantly updating our courses to reflect that. And then RCE Center is vast. And, you know, as a nurse, um, I actually had created um, a way to bring competency to the bedside through my master's degree and how you could Align um, the work that you're doing at the bedside with your ongoing annual competency and and through that work I actually looked at the what each nurse in every state has to then provide from a continuing education standpoint and so for me in Ohio I have to have 24 credits plus one legal CE every two years. And so knowing that, you know, we constantly are building and and creating new CE content to put into our area because you don't want to just keep taking the same courses that you can click through. Um, We have to continue to to build what we are. And so AUCN really prides itself when we renew our CEs for three years and then we start looking for that new um, and, you know, I don't want to say better evidence but we're constantly looking at the evidence to make sure that we're staying on the cutting edge and that really meant something to me when i was pivoting from the bedside and and part of my personal journey not to get emotional but you know like i started at acn in july or in april of 21 and in july of 21 i was diagnosed with cancer and you know went into this whole thing and you know and And it's been just such an incredible place for me to thrive and heal so that I can say today that I'm a cancer thriver and no longer, um, dealing with, uh, not that I'm no longer dealing with it. I still have annual checks and I just graduated to that, um, actually last week. So, but you know, the work that I get to do is I still get to reach out and touch all these thousands and thousands of nurses, um, because something like ACN exists and because we are constantly at the front line um, advocating for safe staffing. We are advocating for um, better treatment of nurses, of getting nurses to the table for when decisions are being made. Um, You know, we have a team that goes um, out and they are um, doing national advocacy to make sure that our voice is constantly rising. And, And our president theme right now is rising together. And so she says, if we rise together, we lift each other up. Rising together, we will advance our journey. I will use your confidence, your voice, your presence to create the future in nursing? And you know, Terry Davis, who is our current president, like that's really kind of our North star is how do we continue to elevate that voice and elevate who we are for nurses, with nurses and by nurses?
0: Oh, I love that. I think that I'd love to understand from your perspective why choosing the right partners, technology, content, why that where that fits for you and importance levels, because we recognize pretty early a lot of the a lot of the technology that we built into our system, we recognized it's so important, not only to create a great experience for the individual user, but it's a community aspect, right? You're there together with the community, growing together. And so being able to tie human to human interactions, whether it's in person, virtual, or even through technology, and within the system, and being able to at your own time interact with your peers and and your community through through technology, we recognize that that's so important. So we've built a lot of these things over time with our clients, recognizing that importance, and then on top of that, giving the tools, but also the teams around to support content changes society changes and so we have to be constantly managing that and updating the look and feel so that again the community that we we're serving through all that is is feeling like it's important it's not mundane and boring they're excited to go through so where does technology from an important standpoint for you sit for you and delivering that experience
1: sorry a little human just fell off their bike outside of my window i got a little sidetracked on them but it looks like they're okay they're up and walking
0: <laughs> it's all good all good
1: you know technology to me is is really just kind of it's it's where we are in life um yeah you know when you think about ai when you think about our platforms that we're utilizing um uh, and really kind of the mission of ACN is you know we we are meeting patients and their families at the most vulnerable time in their lives. And so in order for us to have access to the most cutting edge technology and work um, really is the most impactful right now. You know, and um, the work that you do as one of our, you know, a platform supplier, platform supplier is equally important because if I can't, if I'm creating information and getting it out there well i only have so much space on social media or linkedin or you know whatever it it really we rely on you we rely on our partners to help us reach the masses you know we know that just like anything we can't do this alone we have to have these partnerships we have to have these open lines of communication and we have to have the appreciation and trust of each other because without your effort my effort really then is minimal because i'm only going to reach a certain percentage where with you i'm going to reach the masses
0: what i you you went in a direction there that i love and then you mentioned a word a couple times that i'd like to call out and i think it's so important especially with what you do but for i hope more technology companies recognize this is that it it truly is a partnership yeah and I hope more people adopt that. There's too many people in this software as a service space where it's software as, and and period, that is it, right? It's not like, most people don't adopt that, remember that it truly is a service and there's a team around you and we're the partner. You have to be a partner in their efforts or else it's kind of a sink or swim with the shark sort of experience. And so um, I'm glad that you brought that up because it truly is a partnership and that's where organizations can start to feel like, Oh, you know what? I see what our hard work is doing now. It's not just transactional, like, Hey, take my tech and talk to you later. Right. It's so important to remember that this is good work that we're impacting people's lives. And I'm so glad you said that.
1: Yeah. You know, it's all about the show up. Um, I've worked with vast number of, you know, um, of different tech groups, whether it's medical device or whatever. And, you know, I was working with uh Fresenius or Nextage when yeah. COVID hit, we were rolling out brand new CRT machines for continuous renal replacement therapy. And, um, you know, I was transitioning 600 nurses from Baxter to Nextage. I don't know if I'm allowed to say company names, but, um, uh, but, you know, that's, that's a lot of work and they showed up for us. And really, that's kind of what was the selling point for me. It was because they showed up for us. They saw what we were dealing with. They may not have understood it as much that, you know, what was occurring right away, but um, but none of us did. But it was all in the customer service. And when you show up and are that support versus, like you said, just a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, like sale, oh, like, you... Uh, you you get those lifelong customers then. And that's really that's really hard it's to
0: relationships, practice. Sarah. It's relationships, right? Yes, Gil.
1: Yes, relationships.
0: Exactly. There you go. Just like I, I think that it's just so important. And it we've kind of touched on it in a few different ways, but it's remembering that the person that's going through the experience on the other side is a human being and that we're here uh-huh. to help them and help them find happiness and whatever it is.
1: Yeah, none of us are robots, you know, and none of us are um, doing this alone. And that's, I think, when you find like those values that are rooted in, um, yeah, you start to find other like-minded people, and we can start to make change. Because let's be real, the world's kind of a dumpster right now. So.
0: <laughs> oh yes, it's a uh, it's an interesting one. You're never not entertained.
1: No, no, you're not.
0: If you, if you can sit back and laugh, like we've said, then it'll be an entertaining one.
1: It will. It will. And, you know, I think as long as we always remember to keep that at the forefront, we'll continue to make learning fun.
0: Exactly. Well, Sarah, I can sit here and talk to you all day. I mean the same. Yes. Well, I won't do that to you, nor our listeners. We'll, we'll have a lot of people drop off at like 45 to an hour or long, something like that. But um, if you were to leave one thought with everyone, what thought would that be? As we're starting to think about these things, it doesn't even have to be about L and D.
1: You know, just be kind. Um, be the change that you want to see in the world. And you never know what ripple you will make today could cause waves tomorrow.
0: Amazing, Sarah. Thank you so much. And lastly, congratulations. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Uh, you've been listening to L&D Done Right by CD2 Learning and Nelnet Company, Sarah Grisha with AACN. Thank you so much, Sarah. Say Thank Say goodbye you. to everyone.
1: Bye everyone. Thank you so much for listening. It's been such a pleasure today.